Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going today? Ben, I'm doing well because NBA basketball is back. How are you? It's fantastic. It's been a change from all of the basketball that we typically watch on a day-to-day basis. Um, It's been refreshing. And today, uh, we have a special guest on on the show, a a Prep to Pro first-timer. It is... Uh, Michael Weisenberg of the Weisland podcast and Pro Insight and a fellow podcaster uh, who will definitely have good audio quality. So, <laughs> Mikey, what's up? I certainly hope so, guys. I certainly <laughs> hope I have good audio quality. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate being on here. And yeah, just excited to talk draft with you guys. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, so, I mean, back in your NBA draft net days, you would do some <laughs> some superlatives for uh, for the draft. And you kind of, you mentioned this to us that we should do this, and we figured, you know, it's your idea, no better person to have on to to help out with it. So today we're going to go over some NBA draft superlatives. They are, however, in, I think, a fitting, a fitting of this podcast, they're weird ones. They're not, you know, your typical uh, best athlete or, or best yeah. shooter necessarily. We have some weird categories. Um, there are also like, even though we've got about 20 categories or something like that, that it's, it's definitely not enough. Uh, there are so many different categories. So, uh, depending on how starved we are for ideas down the road, we may be doing many more of these. Who knows? <laughs> um, but first, yeah. our, our first uh, major category is uh, passing, and our first uh, subcategory within that is pick and roll passers. And so what we're going to do is we're each going to have a top three. We did these all separately, uh, and so we'll just you know chat about that a little bit. So, uh, Mike, you want to start us off with your top three for pick and roll passers in the class? Oh, and I, I should yeah. add also okay. that these are um, these are not just um, evaluations. These are who we're projecting as prospects to be the best in each category. So, 
uh, for pull-up jump shooter, for example, Cassius Winston, I think, would probably be the obvious answer currently, but he's not necessarily the best uh, pull-up shooting prospect. He might be. He might be your answer for that. Uh, I think that's totally reasonable, but he's not necessarily the answer, whereas I think right now he definitely would be the answer. So this does incorporate some projection. Uh, with that said, Mike, you want to get into your uh, your top three? Yeah, I just saying, like, for these categories and everything like that, I actually had to go to two guys, uh, Mitch Libanoff and Zach Milner, who are friends of the program <laughs> as well, just to make sure I didn't sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very conscious of that. You guys, I think, definitely pay much more attention to detail than I certainly did at your age. Um, I may indeed have been following the draft before you were born. Uh, but yeah, you guys, I, I'm just incredibly impressed with how, I, like, I love the attention to detail. So that I'll preface it with that. The three people that I chose with pick and roll passer were, and I, with NBA uh, projection into mind, I, I guess this could possibly change, and I'm really interested in your guys' list. Malachi Flynn. Killian Hayes and Cassius Winston. So those were my three. What do you guys feel on uh, pick and roll passer? Yeah, I yeah. think those guys were all in consideration for me. Um, okay. I had I had Lamelo, I had Lamelo, Killian, and Halliburton. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so Lamelo, I think Lamelo and, and Killian were my top two for sure. And then Halliburton, a kind of distant third, but I think was pretty comfortably the three for me, just because Lamelo and Killian, I think, are at a different level in terms of functionality, like how they deliver their passes, uh, in terms of using live dribbles with velocity. Um, and then the reason I went Lamelo over Killian is just more, much more creativity. I think he. Killian is a little more of like a kickout artist. Like where he he does still have a very diverse pick and roll uh, passing game. Like he he's really good picking out cutters, for example. Uh, like in the midst of operating in a pick and roll, he he definitely can hit the roll man, and he he does manipulate a lot. But I think Lamelo has a little more versatility, a little more a, a little more creative uh, deliveries to the roll man. Um, and I just trust him to be functional with both hands as opposed to Killian, just one. But I think those guys are the top two. And then Halliburton, while he does have the crazy manipulation, a lot less velocity on his passes. I think similarly one hand dominant to Killian. Uh, really, really good in his own right, but also incorporating the fact that I don't really think he'll create advantages like those two. Uh, but yeah, Ben, you want to you wanna get into yours? Yeah, I had Melo and Killian as my clear top two as well. And then I had Malachi as my third, so commonality with... with- Mike over there. Um, yeah, I mean, I considered Halliburton as well. Um, it was I was deliberating between Halliburton and Malachi. Ultimately, I chose Malachi because I trust him more to be able to get to spots to you know use his, his passes and you know be more and, and you know have just that functionality aspect was the aspect that really tipped it for me because you know I think Malachi is going to be a considerably better pull up shooter and just overall, which is important um, in getting to his spots and, and especially out of the pick and roll. You know, teams just can't play under and dare him to shoot, um, which I think is a worry with Halliburton on the ball. Uh, I mean, but Halliburton's probably the more talented passer just just from a pure playmaking standpoint. So, I mean, that's a very reasonable pick. 
yeah, I do think Cassius Winston is an interesting choice and one that I didn't consider, but I probably should have because, I mean, I think maybe he regressed a little bit this year, but, like, he makes some ridiculous, like, like he has, like, the signature wraparound pass. And, I mean, some of, like, the timing on, on his feeds to Tillman and kickouts to shooters are just are just incredible. So, like, that, that's definitely a good shot right there. Yeah, I guess with my choices, the one thing with Halliburton that I noticed just – it. And I, I'm wondering what you guys kind of thought about this. It seemed like for whatever reason, like it, when I looked at his pick and roll in synergy, like it just didn't really line up, which it surprised the hell out of me because I think he's a fantastic passer. And like, I think um, Max's list incorporates like the guys who I see are like the three best. Like if, if you're just kind of going with like a broad passer in the draft, and guys who are probably going to be more high volume than some of my choices. Um, I, I just feel like Malachi Flynn and Cassius Winston are going to be very efficient in the pick and roll. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of volume, I, I think Max probably nails like the uh, top three guys there. Um, but yeah, what, what do you feel about Tyrese Halliburton like in the pick and roll and why was his efficiency the way it was at Iowa State? Do you blame that on who he was passing to or... You know, I, I just am not sure exactly how that how it looks like as poor as it does. I If I remember correctly, he did have like poor shooting numbers off of his passes and pick and roll. I don't have the synergy up in front of me, but I, I do believe that was the case. I think he's an exceptional pick and roll passer. Uh, the way he manipulates specifically uh, the weak side corner defender is like mean. Um and he, I mean, he's just, he's so good at, at using his eyes, using his body, uh, contorting at the last minute to change his delivery. But I, I don't think he's quite the, the functionality guy that, that Killian or LaMelo is. I do think that, that with Malachi, like if we, if this category had been pick and roll player, I think he would have been number one for me because he isn't, he's a fantastic pick and roll passer, but he's also, I think the craftiest pick and roll scorer. Uh, I, he, I think will feature, actually he might not feature in my off the dribble shooter thing, which was probably an oversight, uh, but obviously an amazing off the dribble shooter runner God. Uh, so overall pick and roll player, definitely Malachi very much up there. And the Cassius inclusion I like because he is really, really good passing to the role. The thing is with him, the size, I do think that will limit him a bit. Like I do think it limits his vision already and even more so in the NBA. I think that'll be the case. Yeah. But I, I mean, those are definitely very reasonable. I'll quickly say on Iowa State, um, I mean, they're, I mean, just like looking at the raw three-point numbers, outside of Hallie who shot, you know, 42% from three on on like fairly low volume himself, uh, yeah. the, their second highest three-point guy was just Trey Jackson at 33.7%. Um right like only three other guys like at at 30 percent or above so and and nobody really on high volume um so yeah, yeah it was just a rough group of guys um that he really had he really had no other scoring threats on that team um so, i mean which you know that's concerning for other reasons for halliburton but i mean definitely makes sense that you know the numbers you know it aligns with the numbers uh like the efficiency numbers out of his pass is not being great. Definitely not because he can't create advantages with his eyes and with his brain, but just because, you know, his teammates can't capitalize. Makes sense. Ben, should we, should we move on to uh, short roll passers? Sure. So we can do short roll passing. So I'll start with my three guys. Uh, so I thought there are two pretty obvious ones. And those were Killy and Tilly and Xavier Tillman were the top two. And the third, um, there were a couple directions I was thinking. I was thinking Caleb Wesson. Um, I ultimately went with Obi Toppin as my third guy. 
um, who, um, you know, I just, you know, maybe not the consistency um, of a guy like of a, of a guy like Tilly or Tillman, but, you know, it's definitely a rung below them and theoretically has like more of a finishing threat to, you know, open that up. So yeah, I think those are the top three guys. So I'm interested in seeing who you guys have. Tillman was the clear one to me. And then Tilly was the clear two. And then I had Simonovich and, and Wesson, but the answer's Toppin, I think. I think yeah. Toppin's number three. Uh, he's a really good short roll passer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it falls off a lot after the first two for sure. Yeah, I was with you guys on the, the first two. I had Tillman one and I had uh, Tilly two. The one slight difference I made, because I had Toppin three originally, when I first showed this list, I, I got a, a really good suggestion. Pokashevsky. I think he's he's an interesting pick here. And I, I, I certainly think that, you know, with volume and with uh, what he'll be doing in the NBA, like that that could be a, a at least a, a possibility yeah. at number three. I considered him, but um, and you know, I'll have him for other, I'll have him for at least one more category in this one. But I didn't choose him because one, I just don't know if he, how much he's going to be used as a screener. Like, yeah, that could be to actually to get like screener, like to get short opportunities because like he's not a five and he's probably like not big enough to you know set screens that deter most guards. Um, yeah. I mean, and he just hasn't short roll passed a lot in his like time, or, or at least that I've seen. I don't like. I can't recall any short roll. Passes. Yeah, I, I don't remember any, but I do think it makes sense from a projection standpoint. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do have I do have questions about um about him, you know, being effective as a screen setter. But yeah, I mean, just talking about a guy who can who we know can make reads on the move and is big sized at least uh, uh, in terms of height. Um, I, I do think that's actually a really good projection call. Uh, yeah, it's not the one I thought of, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't think about it at all. The guys that I did think, I thought of a Coro, because uh, I do think that he'll he will yeah. kind of be used as a big at times and is a really good passer on the move. But ultimately, I think that with Toppin, who's like definitely going to be a volume short roll passer in addition to Tillman and Tilly, I, I think he's just a, a pretty obvious call. But I do like the Poku one because that is that is very in line with the projection aspect of this, and I think it's a it is a good call because he is he is another level of of uh you know the reads that he can make are at another level as opposed to most bigs exactly yeah i think simonovich is an interesting shout um not what i like not what i considered but i mean thinking about it i mean i'm not sure he's like consistent enough i mean like he does really make some some really quick decisions um off the short roll i I think he's probably under talked about as like a as like an offensive minded big um so yeah i mean that's an interesting one but again like probably like more of a long shot just like be in a position to do those i don't know he's like i he's a really good pick and roll player just because he's he's such a good screener and the decisions on on the roll can be really quick and just and just impressive yeah i mean he i think he's definitely a rung behind uh um toppin uh but i like i i didn't want like between him and, and Wesson, like I, I would take Simonovich, I think, pretty easily. So, so he's uh, he definitely is in that um, honorable mention tier. Uh, yeah, I think. So. But but yeah, I mean, he's not he's not on the Tilly Tillman level, and I I don't even think on the Toppin level. Yeah. All right. So sh- sh- should we move on to our last passing category, which is transition passing? 
Sure. Max, yes. um, you haven't gone first yet. Sure. Yeah, I'll start us off with this one. Uh, I have Lamella one, Bomaro two, and then for three I couldn't decide, and I had named all of Poku, Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, and Denny. Come um, <laughs> I couldn't choose. I, I only feel strongly about the top two. Uh, just I think the most creative passers in the draft. Uh, Lamelo is is the king of um the Jokic style like he he collects a defensive rebound and then while he's in the air turning around he's throwing the outlet uh the like full court passes from are ridiculous but the, I mean the same can be said for Bolmaro that he has the crazy full court passes with insane spin on them that wrap around defenders uh that just these two are willing to try some insane things in transition uh so I think that makes him the clear top two um as for the others I mean I guess Cole and Ant are probably the controversial ones there, but Cole in high school was like a really good transition passer. Uh, he was always always had his eyes up, was looking to hit ahead. Um, could re- could like I think sneak things into pretty tight windows as well. It was very impressive. Uh, I mean, I think Denny kind of speaks for speaks for himself again. Has has some of the like creativity and and uh, like moxie to him. Uh, and then Poku, same sort of thing. He the, he he actually is also up there in terms of creativity. But I think it's more often is just flair for flair's sake, as opposed to Bulmaro and Lamelo, who are doing weird things. That the, the they're doing unique things where the uniqueness actually adds value. Yeah, I had um, a clear thought three because I, I didn't cop out like Max. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bomello is also my one, pretty clearly. I, I I think that's easy. Um, yeah, two I had two I had Poku because I think, you know, just with um the you know the height and I'm mean, obviously not a big but gonna have the grab and go aspect um probably more than than any of the other guys. And I think the I, I mean like again the flair is is very obvious with Poku and you know there's there's certainly some flyover function. But I think the feel is really special and just the, like the willingness to try stuff like again like Bomaro you said and. And um, Lamelo um, is really there, and I do think there's like, there's also like potential to him as like this is like like less of like a pushing guy, but like as like a transition gunner passing passing off that because he's going to be like a really volume like a volume shooter into the transition and should have some gravity there and be able to make plays off of that. And then my third guy, um, I also had Bomaro, but I was close to. Uh, I almost I'm surprised you didn't mention Halliburton because I think. I think Halliburton was the other guy I was close to putting just because, you know, I think transition is a place where a lot of his weaknesses don't hinder his passing, where he doesn't have to create advantages, uh, where he can just see the floor and, and exploit. So honestly, I'm kind of talking myself into Halliburton, but I did have Bulmaro, uh, like you said, just like like pr- probably like wins the wins the award for like most spin on his passes in this class. Like just, just some of the most ridiculous like offhands, live dribble spin, full court passes. Um, yeah, I, I think it's close to me between Bomaro and Hallie. That I, I actually considered Bomaro for the pick and roll passer because like because of the um the uh he loves those those wrap around like spin passes, but spin. ultimately like yeah, it isn't like is not the level of like refined uh pick and roll passer that that those other guys are but i did think about him kind of for that reason uh mike what you got i like i like bomaro a lot as a pick and roll passer as well um definitely one of the things that i remember from my time watching him at the hoop summit and i think he's definitely refined there but you're right he does need some more work and the threat of the shot i think uh could really help 
Yeah. Um, the guys that I went with um, are, were the guys that Max went with uh, for pick and roll passer. I went with Lamelo number one, obviously. I think Halliburton is going to be an excellent transition passer. I went with him too. And then I went with uh, Killian Hayes. And I, I just think they're all guys that are just going to really, you know, push the break and can kind of spread the floor with their passing at this point um, as they're kind of working to become more shooting threats, uh, more so LaMelo and Killian than uh, Halliburton, who are like, I kind of, at this point, it's tough to not really believe in at least some shooting projection, at least off the catch. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think uh, oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, God, you guys had a quick point. Yeah, well, I mean, I th- I think there's something to be said for not overthinking the transition passers and just going with the guys who are the best passers already. Yeah, like, right. yeah I, I mean, there's there's something to be said for that, and it's not it's not like Halliburton is is like a you know flawed transition passer. I just think he's not as like wildly ridiculous as as Bulmaro and Poku to an extent, and and just for me, it factored in with including guys like Cole and Ant. Uh, it the way they're able to push factored in for me like the like especially with Cole that he's always been a guy who is not a crazy bursty player but can accelerate while moving very well like he can, he does have another gear it just it comes only when he's already moving at high speed and so I think that's always yeah it, it I think that that's always made him a very potent uh like transition player just early offense like I, I think he's going to be really good at that. Um, so all of those things kind of came together for me, whereas I don't think that Halliburton is like the, the sort of like pushing force that those guys necessarily are. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, there are a lot of good, good cases for this. The only guy that I think like absolutely has to be number one is LaMelo. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll quickly say, just to, to close off our, our passing category, that this was, like, by far the one with, like, the most good options, I think. And, like, the one that wasn't, like, easiest for me to, like, okay, like, there's some legitimate projections. And on the flip side, I think that, like, underscores a couple things about this class. That one, you know, it, there's, like, it's, like, intelligence is definitely a strength. There are a lot of guys who can really pass. But then on the other hand, you know, like, just underscores that the class is lacking in a lot of, like, important skills like you know off the dribble shooting and slashing that you know were, were, were categories that were a lot more difficult for me to parse out and at least for me had a lot less like enticing options to really rank in the top three so you know it's just another rumination on the weakness of this class so absolutely i it was really interesting to me too like just with shooting usually you you feel there would be kind of like a more standout guy at least especially at the top and it, it was kind of tough to find. Yeah, because, I mean, the top of most drafts are, like, like the off-dribble shooter slasher guys, but, like, yeah. that wasn't analogous. You would hope you would get. <laughs> yeah, the slashers and handlers were yeah. were tough to find. And even finishers was just like, all right, it's just a bunch of bigs. Like, yeah. With maybe one exception. Right, so uh, but not to spoil that. To move into our next category, which is like the scoring slash team offense kind of category, uh, we have a couple of these. So first, we're gonna we have quite a few in, in this one. So first, we're gonna go with on ball, uh, on ball like offense, and we're gonna go with slashers as I as we mentioned. Uh, so uh, Mike, why don't you give your three best slashers in the class? There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. 
But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their best upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Oh no! Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you Manscaped for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Men, start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer, featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. Your balls will thank you. All right. I hope these fit the uh, definition of slasher, but the the guy I went with at one is somebody who just has like an amazing, uh, finishing profile in college and it seems to be like that will be his calling card in the NBA and I went with Grant Riller um went with Obi Toppin number two the thing is when I was looking through a lot of these like it just seemed like Toppin excelled everywhere in college and he's a guy that I I think as many defensive concerns as there are about him like it certainly seems like He's one of the more offensively complete guys in this class. Uh, so I went with him at two. And then at three, I really love the way that uh, Tyree, Tyrese Maxey takes like a couple dribbles and gets to the basket. So that, that's who I went with uh, for my last pick. Yeah, I like that list. I think yeah. Riller, absolutely number one, no doubt. Uh, yeah. That's who I have as well. Uh, Maxey was also my number three. Uh, my number two, though, uh, is Isaac Okoro. Uh, that guy is is the way that he can discard people with his strength is overwhelming. Uh, he's a physical monster. His finishing, I mean, you talk about guys with like unbelievable finishing packages. That guy, both hands through contact, he can elevate off one, off two. Uh, he can elevate through contact. I, I believe in him so much as as a driver uh and and to finish plays when he gets there and uh, and just to add a little on maxi totally with you on that uh another guy who's a great finisher uh who has also the the intermediate game uh like totally down which i do think matters and um yeah i mean he's not the the concern with including him for me was was the inability to really break guys down off the dribble but Mm -hmm. just as a guy who can attack off the catch who can explode by people with burst because I do think that's an underrated thing with him that he is super bursty. And then just as a finisher to have ambidexterity, to have his unique flexibility where he can really just like compress himself between people on top of his ridiculous strength and, and class best balance. I, I, I trust him a lot in that respect. Uh, the one guy that I did have as an honorable, as an honorable mention, uh, and if this were like currently the best slashers as opposed to NBA projection, I, I did have Najee Marshall in there 
because I, I really like him as yeah no but he he is he's bursty he has really great footwork he's a very good finisher he's long um yeah i he he was originally going to be my number three with maxi as the honorable mention but then i was i was thinking more about the projection element and and went with uh went with maxi all right, yeah, so I have, uh, yes, Grant Miller, obvious number one. I, I don't really think there's a case for anyone else there. I mean, I, I, I can see an argument for Okoro, just, like, his slashing translating, like, also going to be a free-throw rate tank, which matters, too. Then the third one, I mean, I, like, I, like again, the way I took this this category as opposed to, like, the next one is, like, slashing as, like, more emphasis on, like, getting to the rim and creating advantage to the rim. So for that reason, I went with RJ Hampton. Um, as my third slasher, and that especially incorporates the projection aspect, where he's right right, right now uh, has probably uh, has top three bursts in this class, in my opinion. So explosive, nobody can say in front of him, and he's also a really crafty driver. You know, using his body, though his frame isn't great. You know, lo- long strides to to get to the hole and finish. Um, and while he's not a great finisher yet, I think that's a thing that could definitely improve as one he gains strength um, to you know take advantage of some of that. Uh, like that vertical explosiveness, if he fla- explosiveness he flashes in the open floor that is currently mostly absent in the half court, but does flash occasionally. You know when he has a runway, and he really can get that runway because he's so so bursty. Um, so yeah, uh, RJ Hampton was the guy who I chose. I I thought about Maxi uh, again, went with RJ just because you know of that of that more definite ability to you know bend the defense by himself. Uh, Maxi's a great shout. Uh, yeah, so. RJ Hampton ended up being the one for me here. I, I do think RJ is a very good call because I, I mean, I've, I've definitely hammered on this podcast, his ability to just get into the paint. Uh, the finishing is just so far behind right now. Uh, but I mean, just looking at him, he really does look like a guy who's going to add a lot of weight. And once he adds weight, I, I really believe in him as a vertical athlete. Uh, the flashes when he when he has space are really impressive, and it's not just he's not just like a guy who can when he has space load up and get up off two. Like a lot of guys can do that, he can get up quickly off one. Uh, and so added strength to that, I think, is is you know would make him really really overwhelming at the rim. So I like that call. I just think that the there's a lot of ground to make up with Maxi as a finisher, especially because yeah. with Maxi's finishing, like he really is very skilled. It's it's the ambidexterity and the balance and RJ is, is pretty dominant hand dominant. Um, so I, I think that there's just a, a lot of ground to make up. And then on top of that, like, like Maxi's Maxi's really bursty as well. Like he's obviously not, he's not RJ or Riller, but he's bursty as well. So I, I do really trust him to get there, but that's a good call. Yeah. I, I quickly want to say, I think Obi is interesting, is an interesting call as um, well one. I mean, I know, you know, Max and I are lower because, you know, we, I'm not as big as his ability to, you know, get to, get to the rim from the perimeter. But if you, like, do believe in, in, in that, like, perimeter slashing ability, and if he does become a guy who can actually get to the rim in the half court, because he certainly can finish there with the best of them, then he becomes a lot more interesting to me as, like, a as like a bet much higher in the draft because someone who can create his own shots and finish could be, you know, just, just a monster efficiency wise, even more so um, in like a primary role and less so of a complimented role. So I, I do think that's like an interesting projection. One is a projection because, you know, that's like a conceivable ceiling outcome for Obi, I think. So Mike, how hard do you think the closeouts are going to be on Obi? Because I think if, if you really buy him as a shooter, that compounds, to make the slashing even more valuable because if he's drawing really hard closeouts, I mean, he's, he's going to be someone that'll be pretty hard to stay in front of. And then once he's at the rim, I mean, th- this will be 
featured shortly, but that guy's a ridiculous finisher. Yeah, I just think that you you definitely it's something you have to worry about with him, and I, I just feel like he can really take advantage of that. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I'm I, with even with Okoro, like um, it, it just didn't seem like. I'm not sure about the volume and everything with him once he gets to the NBA, like as far as taking like a, a few dribbles and, and doing that. Like, I, I I guess that's kind of what you draft him for. But yeah, with, with Obi, I, I just feel like the, the volume is going to be there. And, and maybe this was just him like being where he was and, and the age being the advantage that it was. But I, I just was really impressed with his efficiency and feel like uh, he could possibly – you know, carry that forward. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's a good call. Um, it's it's not one that really crossed my, crossed my mind, but I think especially if you really buy him as a shooter, it it makes a lot of sense together. Um, but now, I mean, the the important element of Obi's appeal in that respect is uh, is finishing. So now we have we have finishers. Um, ben, you want to give your your top three finishers? Sure. So yeah, um, I did have Obi. Uh, Obi there, you know, just an incredible finisher with, you know, his contortion ability, just the touch he has with both hands. I think that was pretty obvious. I also had Grant Riller, who I, I'm sure was the non-big Max was talking about a little bit earlier. You know, just ha- has been a ridiculous finisher over all four years. Body control, balance, you know, not just ability to get there, but, you know, just someone who can finish with the best of them. And then for the third one, um, I had Yudoka as a buki, as just like the most giant human like if he catches the ball anywhere nor anywhere near the rim, like it's a dunk or a layup. Um, so he's my third guy for for finisher. I also considered um, as much as like I wanted to put Tyrell Terry here um, because <laughs> because he like passes the because like even though he can't get to the rim to save his life, he I mean at least not at the moment he passes the finishing test with flying colors. Like and especially if you adjust for physical tools, like it's pretty ridiculous. But but I mean I mean I think Doak is going to be just a clearly better finisher. Um, so he was my third one. Mike, you want to get into yours? I um, had the same. Number one is uh, as Ben. I went with Obi Toppin. Ridiculous finishing numbers, and of course, you know, has that lift and the ability with either hand. Number two, I did not go with Grant Ruler. I went with Grant Ruler three. I went with Onyeka Okongwu, and I, my feeling there once again is projection. Um, I'm just not so sure. I as much as Yudoka Azubuke, I think is like a finishing monster and certainly like the numbers back it up. And he's a, he's a really good vertical athlete to go along with the fact that like, I'll, I'll have a list later that shows how ridiculous like he is from a physical standpoint. Um, But yeah, I'm just, I'm still not sold on him really having much of a place in the NBA. And that's what I would worry about. And I feel like Onyeka, just with the explosiveness, um, I, I think he'll just really gain there and end up being a, a very solid finisher as well. I think that's a fair point with Doak. My my counter to that would kind of be that if he's in the NBA, which I kind of think he will yeah, be at least for a small right. amount of time, it's because he's a great finisher. Yeah, um, and, like, he's made, obviously, necessary strides as a mover and, like, it, like – you know, he can block some shots, but like if he's in the NBA, it's because he is a like seven foot seven, one human who can jump very high and has very long arms. Um, and so, so that's why he's my number two after Obi. I think Obi is the like huge, huge gap. Number one, 
uh, mm. because his, on offense, his, his vertical leaping is ridiculous, uh, incredible above the rim finisher, and then below the rim. I mean, just as a guy with, uh, as, as Mike mentioned, ambidexterity, and then Ben mentioned the contortion, just he's like, he he's of the the Brandon Clark ilk as a contortion finisher, just totally absurd in that regard. Um, I forget, I forget what the numbers were this year, but they were, they were absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, He's going to be an incredible dunks. Like, yeah, well, he'll be one of the, he'll be one of the better finishers in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, mean, Uh, he's like one of the only guys that can really challenge like Udoka in terms of college dunk numbers, which is, you know, impressive in itself. Yeah, and then I had Riller three. I I struggled with this a lot actually because I don't know how I feel about putting a guard number three just because kind of like necessarily their percentages, their raw percentages are going to be a lot lower. However, with Riller, the I mean in college the raw percentages weren't lower. He was a like high nineties percentile finisher among all players, uh, and I don't think that'll quite sustain to the NBA. But for a guard, I think he will be elite. Uh, the reason he was number one on, on slashing is is all the driving technique that he has, um, creating leverage, uh, using various footwork moves, uh, just exploding by guys. It's absurd. But at the rim, I mean, he's got diverse finishing angles. He can finish with both hands. He obviously is an impressive vertical athlete as well. Uh, yeah, he's he's just an un- unbelievable uh, finisher, and I, I think he kind of overcomes being a guard to to deserve inclusion um who are some other guys that you you guys considered and didn't put though quite honestly i uh those were definitely like i i think udoka was the only one that i other guy that i really had considered so yeah I, i'm not sure who else i, I would have considered beyond the, the four people i thought about a coro as well this one yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, I was close to putting Tillman because I think Tillman's like a very underrated, you know, like he is a great finisher and he can do it with both hands. Yeah. The issue with him is just size and vertical. And, and, and yeah, no vertical. Yeah. I, yeah. I did think about Onyeka as well. And I do like that inclusion because he, he's another guy great with both hands, uh, does have some contortion to him, just has incredible touch in general. And also is going to be an amazing pick and roll player because he's so quick yeah. off the ground, like unbelievably quick leaper. Um, but the reason I left him off was just because of size and length concerns that I'm, I'm a little concerned about him be like sustaining his level of finishing against NBA size and length on the interior, at least in the short term and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit on the long term. I don't know if he's an elite, elite finisher when he's really challenged by contests, but I do think he'll, he should be very good. Yeah. The last guy I gave some brief consideration to with Mason Jones I actually did. I did consider yeah, him as well. Like ultimately, like I, I'm still not as in on the translation as you know. I, I know some people who are higher on him are, but like it, it, it's hard to deny that like his strength and like contortion and finishing craft are all pretty outlier for his level of athleticism. And I think you know there's definitely a chance he could you know make a real impact at the NBA with his finishing. Again, like like for for projection, which you know if it, I mean if this were just like today finishers, like Mason Jones would for sure be on my list. Um, but yeah, I mean ultimately. Um, like I don't buy the projection as much. Yeah, that that was what happened with me. I thought about it, and then I was like, okay, if I really buy Mason Jones at projection as a finisher like that, then he's a very he very high pick. In, yeah, he's a very very high pick in this draft. Oh, uh, so, mid second. I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he is a very good finisher. I'm a little skeptical of it more. I'm, I'm quite skeptical of it working to the degree it worked in uh, the NCAA and the NBA. All right. So I think we're going to move on to our next one, which was, this is a challenging one. Uh, we have off dribble shooters. Uh, so Max, why don't you start with this one? Okay. My list is kind of weird. Um, I'm glad that, that, um, you guys have mentioned this a lot, but because we didn't have good enough guidance on these, I don't think. But I did think a lot about things like volume with this, uh, with all of them, but especially with off the dribble shooters, uh, that was was very important for me. Uh, so my number one is is kind of weird. It's Cole Anthony. Um, I am deferring a fair amount on the shooting to pre-college where he was a pretty ungodly shooter. Uh, that That's one thing that I feel comfortable deferring to the larger sample. Whereas some of the other things I, I am more inclined to believe what we saw at UNC. Uh, but even then, like Cole was a 72nd percentile off the dribble shooter in the half court. Uh, and those are not easy attempts. So while his overall three point numbers weren't great, um, he still is a really, really good off the dribble shooter. I just think this is a guy who's going to be a super high volume, high efficiency, uh, like just off the dribble uh, monster. Uh, second, I had Isaiah Joe. Um, again, volume came into play here, but while Isaiah Joe's three point numbers have also, uh, I varied a lot in college, uh, while he shot, he shot 41% his first year and 34% as a sophomore, but his off the dribble percentages were, uh, 97th percentile and 89th percentile. So he's been elite off the dribble both years and he just guns. I mean, that guy gets them off and he has size and length. Uh, so I, I, I mean, we're big fans of Isaiah Joe on this podcast. We believe in him a lot in, in every respect, but I mean, as an off the dribble shooter, I, there's, I don't think there's any reason to question him. Uh, he's an elite volume and efficiency guy, uh, even with other, you know, fluctuating otherwise in three point efficiency. And then finally, finally I have Cassius Winston, uh, unbelievable off the dribble shooter, but in terms of projection, I do have some concerns with size, especially with him, because like if you just if you just switch a pick and roll so that he can't pop a three, like it, are you cons- like is he gonna be able to do anything with an NBA big man on a switch? I I don't really know. So I I think that there are probably. Just because Cassius as a scorer, I think, in the NBA is definitely pretty one-dimensional. Uh, so I have some concerns over him really sustaining crazy efficiency. But, I mean, right now, he's, the guy is an unreal off-the-dribble shooter. Uh, and we, I think we certainly could see him succeed in the way that many small guards have with just outrageous off-the-dribble shooting. Yeah, I share two of yours. Um, I had Cole as my third guy and, and Cash as my second. Um, Cole, I, I agree with you. Deferring to the pre-college sample is important. Like and like, I mean, just talk about. I mean, even besides, like, like he was a good pull-up three shooter at UNC in his time. I mean, yeah, really good. Like, <laughs> he, he was good in college. I mean, you, you don't even have to defer to the pre-college sample that much. I mean, really to talk about that elite ceiling, you want to, but like, like he was very good as as a freshman, um, despite an old like an old freshman, but but a freshman nonetheless. Um, at UNC, Cash agreed. Similar concerns, similar thoughts. But then my number one guy, um, I had Desmond Bain, who you Desmond Bain number one. Yes. Wow. Because I mean, again, I struggle with this one. Um, well, I would say like the separation between these three is, is very minimal. 
and like I also considered Isaiah Joe on this list. Um, he's like a guy I considered. Like, like this was a difficult one for me. Um, I went with Bane because one, I, I think I trust him more than than Joe to create them. I mean, he, I mean, he, he I mean, he has like this. I think he's just more refined with his handle on step backs on, on, you know, the between the leg snatch back, he has like the ridiculous net negative momentum step backs. And then the volume is going to be there too. Um, so yeah, Bane again is, is a guy who I trust a lot as a shooter. I, I mean, I think he's the best shooter in the class. Uh, so, and a, a big reason for that, not just the ridiculous movement from off the ball, which, you know, it's going to feature later, but um, because I trust him a lot off the dribble. Again, th- th- this was a difficult one, and there's just and there's not separation in this category for me like there has been in some of the other ones. Yeah. Well, I think you guys both made some fantastic points, and my list was Desmond Bain number one as well. Ben uh, went with Isaiah Joe number two, Max, and then uh, Cole Anthony number three. And I, I with your points with Cole Anthony, I, I just I feel like the shooting is going to be there and. It, if you really believe in Cole Anthony, then you may like have him number one on this list. And I like, I think that's how he's going to be a really successful NBA player. And I'm still really high on Cole Anthony, like in consideration with the rest of the draft class. So yeah, I, I like all of those choices. Uh, I think Isaiah Joe's like a ridiculous off the dribble shooter and just a, a great shooter in general. And I share your enthusiasm for him. And I agree with Ben that I, I think Desmond Bain is like probably when you put everything together, the best shooter in this class. So yeah, that's my rationale behind those three choices. All right, yeah, so there were a lot of guys. I, I think we should talk about this a little bit because there were a lot of guys that were in consideration. Uh, like Malachi was a hard omission. Um, yeah, I thought about Tyrell Terry too. Um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Probably not I, as big. Probably a little better off ball, and like like I I eventually omitted just because like I worry about getting them off enough um in the NBA. But like in terms of like efficiency, I think it's definitely gonna, I think you could definitely be up there. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot there are a lot of a lot of solid choices with this one, but like no standout obvious choices at the top of the draft, which again is a reflection of you know the, the lack of top at the high end creation talent in, in this class. Yeah, I put I think a little more of an emphasis on volume. Than you guys did because I think I think Cole Joe and I mean and Cassius will are really kind of crazy volume guys to a little bit more of an extent than than Bane. Well, I mean Bane is a high volume shooter as well, but I think those guys are a little more just like willing to absolutely chuck, uh, and that mattered to me for this. Uh, and I do think Roll. I think Bane will probably be asked to do that less, but I you I obviously could make the same case for Joe. But I, I just think that he is a – I think he's a little better as a create-his-own-shot. Like, like his step-back is really good. Uh, just the willingness to pull from anywhere as well. Like, not that Bane doesn't have range, but I think Joe really is audacious with with what he's willing to shoot. Um, so I took all of those things into account. But obviously, I mean, Bane has a strong case for, to be at any spot on that list. I think he's a very reasonable pick as, as the best pull-up shooter in the class. All right, so I think we're going to move on to our last uh, on-ball category, and that is handles. Uh, so, Mike, why don't you give your your top three handlers in this class? My top three. So I went with Lamella one, and uh, I'm not sure if you guys are on the same page there. Omoro two, and then uh, the last one I went with Jared Butler because – yeah. yeah, I had yeah, I had the exact same list in the exact same order. I thought this was the, this was the easiest one for me. Um, yeah. 
this was the one I did the quickest. This was the one I had to think about the least. Um, I mean, I like I see cases for for like differentiation. Like I think there's definitely a case for Balmaro over Lamelo. If you're you know worried about Lamelo frame wise and you know not being able to use his handle as much with with his lack of you know being being pushed off spots so easily, I think there's even a case for Jared Butler higher. You know, because he's probably maybe the quickest out of the three. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is like the the top three for me. And Max seems to have a different opinion. So no, I have the same list. Oh, I just oh. I just swapped Bomaro and Lamelo okay, yeah. uh, in the order. Yeah, I think just that's totally I, reasonable. Lamelo has moments I think where he's a little too predictable, uh, where he's not really decisive. Um, but he and Bomaro both have tons of creativity, tons of shiftiness. Um, I just think yeah, Bomaro is a bit more decisive with it right now, at least. And just, I, yeah, I have more more confidence in him working through contact and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think these guys are pretty pretty clearly yeah. the top three. I, w- I will say for me, Bulmaro and Lamelo were like a little bit ahead of of Butler, but Butler's really good. I mean, he's just he's so controlled, and some of the sequences are just absurd. Uh, but yeah, those I think those three were were pretty easy picks. Yeah, I think you know, like Bulmaro and and Mello, uh, probably have uh, what's his name, uh, Butler beat on consistency and on you know overall yeah. functionality. But I, mean, I think Butler's like highs are as high as the other two. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, th- this was our our first unanimous category here. Um, Let's so go. I, that's kind of fun. Definitely, um, Jack Miller uh, got Jared Butler on my list as last. I had one. a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I had a feeling. Back, thank you so much. But yeah, those are all of like the on. Yeah, those are all of like the on-ball offense categories we have. Uh, now we'll go to off-ball, and our first one, like we've kind of talked about, it, is is movement shooting. So, uh, Max, why don't you go with your your movement shooters? I think that we'll probably all have the same three for this. I, I think. Uh, I had Neesmith, Joe, and Bain in that order, but it's really close. I could easily see any order, uh, but I think those three guys are, are the top three. I had Neesmith, Joe, and Bain in that order. Yeah, me too. I had Neesmith, Bain, and Cassius Winston. Okay. So my thing with, with Cassius is I, I do definitely worry a little bit with the really small movement shooters because – you're in the NBA. You're talking about getting shots off in tight windows, and when you're that small, those windows are really, really tight and may not be possible. Uh, and then all, it, it worries me also that he's that he's weak, that he's not long. Um, yeah. But I don't know that there are really any examples of great uh, movement shooters that are that small in the NBA. Maybe like I mean, like Lowry's not that small, uh, but he is really good at it. I will say like Carson Edwards was actually a really good movement shooter in the G League and the NBA in yeah. in limited minutes he this didn't year like wait this year much. Yeah, his overall yeah. shooting numbers were very bad, but his movement numbers were still like pretty elite. Uh so that's a a positive data point I would say, but Carson Edwards is a weird outlier strength guy who also is 6 foot with a 66 wingspan. Uh so yeah, it, it, but I I don't have any problem with picking Cassius just because he's such a ridiculously good shooter. Like he's unbelievably good. Yeah, but like yeah. I, I think this one goes pretty chalk. Like yeah. those are the three guys. I mean, Neesmith, you know, is has ridiculous movement gravity. Uh, you know, at, at his height and in shot release, Joe is just a relentless trucker. Bane is you know like probably the foremost like off ball juker in this class. I mean, in terms of going off the screen. So yeah, I, I think I think that was a pretty easy one. The one yeah, thing, I think Cassius. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, the one thing I'll say with him is I, I think he has like a six. He has at least like a six four, six five wingspan. Um, 
yeah, it, it's just something that I have like uh, some data on him there. And um, yeah, like he, he definitely is a small guy. I, I just think he's a ridiculous shooter. And um, as much as you could see him being more on ball and having him on the um, off the dribble shooting, I, I think that there are certainly scenarios where you could see him playing off ball and being yeah, like. Better to note how insane he's been off ball in college too. Yeah. Yeah. the The one guy I kind of want to mention also is is Butler, just because he has he does have really good footwork getting into his movement shots. Um, but I he's not not to this level. But yeah. I do think there there are a bunch of guys because there there are a bunch of really good shooters in this class. So there are a bunch of guys that I think you can make cases for like even like Malachi is a great shooter as well with, with a lot of range and, and yeah, there, there are a handful of very good ones. All right. So our next category is similar, but different. This is relocator slash off ball mover, which, you know, less about, you know, specifically shooting off of screens, more about, you know, improvisational movement and, you know, the, the the trademark Steph Curry relocation after pass. And we know who Max wants to talk about first, uh, you know, and, (laughs) is the only reason that he included this category. So Max, why don't you just go with your list? Yeah, it's also, I mean, it's about intelligent spacing as well to help your teammates, not just to get yourself open. But yeah, a lot of this is, is relocating to make yourself open as a shooter, which is, I mean, at, you know, as important of a quality of an off-ball player as as anything really. Uh, so yeah, number one, I've got Nico Mannion. Uh, this is why I included this category. Nico's amazing at it. Uh not just, I think specifically he and the number two on this list are amazing at after they pass the ball, then relocating, which is what really, which is the really devastating thing with Steph is that he, you know, he'll run a pick and roll and then, you know, kick it somewhere. And then he relocates after his defender thinks that sort of, Hey, his part of the, of the action is done. But no, the real point is that Steph is moving off ball now and is, as is an off ball shooter. Um, I think that Nico, my number one on this list, and Desmond Bain, my number two, are by far the best at this in this class. Uh, and I think the real value-added skills. And then my third, I put Isaiah Joe and Isaac Okoro. Um, I think they're really, really good spacers, which is kind of like, it's kind of cruel with Okoro because he has a great feel for it and he's just so smart. But obviously it doesn't matter that much. Uh, which is kind of why I would lean just to have Joe as the the real number three here. But Joe is a very good relocator as well. Uh, good sense of spacing, uh, gets himself open, puts the defense into positions that are you know uncomfortable. If and you know if 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 his defender goes to help somewhere, they'll re- you know recover and he won't be there anymore. Uh, so very good off ball player and definitely figures in with his incredible movement shooting to make him a very very intriguing off ball prospect. Uh, yeah, Mike, what was your list? My list was I had the same number one just because uh, hearing Max gush about him all the time off ball. But he, yeah, he obviously that that's a huge um, check mark in Nico's favor. Favor if you're uh, looking at him as a draft prospect. He is like you're saying about Stephen Curry. Like that's when you're talking about player development or like prospect development, I I think that's a huge factor at this point. And I don't think people, I I know this is kind of going in the people don't talk enough. (laughs) um, How Kevin Curry is so great off the ball. And like my friend has, you know, like a 10 year old and he uh, is playing basketball with him right now and he's doing a great job, but he, uh, that, that, that would be the one thing I would study is just like, making those like 
uh, skip passes to the uh, corner and moving off ball. Um, so yeah, Nico, I had Isaiah Joe number two. I probably should have had Desmond Bain, number two. <laughs> but um, the guy that I went with was Tyrell Terry, who I, I just think that's go- going to be something that he has to do at uh, the NBA level. And that was just my projection going forward. So yeah, he was, uh, I know, I think your three choices are probably the right ones, but <laughs> I, I uh, think Tyrell Terry is somebody that is going to have to do that at the next level to be successful. And I, I think he could do that. Yeah, I enjoy your, you know, you, you often go with the project, like take the projection seriously in the list. And I appreciate that because I think it's yeah. I think it's, I think it's a lot more fun than just doing it chalk in the best guys. now, I, you know, you, you know, as you know, I think there's been like way too many Nico Steph Curry comparisons on this podcast uh, for oh, my taste, um, you know, but um, it's an aspect of it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I've, made like, the, I've made the comparison in the past and Ben has gotten very angry at me. It's one very specific aspect of basketball. I, I want to be very clear. Nico Mannion is not Steph Curry. He's not remotely close to Stephen Curry. He never will be. Uh, like forty-year-old Steph Curry will be better than than peak Nico Mannion. However, I'm going to edit out the knots and in, <laughs> in this one very particular aspect of moving off the ball, specifically after pass relocation, Nico Mannion is like Steph Curry in what he does. He's not good at it to the same extent. However, Steph Curry is a notable example of someone who's good at this, and Nico Mannion is also good at it. Yeah, and and I'm also like Steph Curry, and then I've made a three-pointer at some point in my life. But yes, <laughs> but I'll stop ragging on Max because begrudgingly, I also had Nico number one in this category because he's the clear best guy here. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say any names, but yes, he, he certainly reminds of some of the great relocators in this class. Um, you, know, you know, maybe Tyler Hero-esque. You know, Tyler Hero was great at that last year. Um. But not, no, no, I'm gonna stop messing around. Cause I, I mean, Nico, oh, you're giving me giving me crap for comparing him to Steph Curry, while you just go for the the token white guy with it. With <laughs> man, this is the last relocator I could think of. But um, maybe that's something. But you know, whatever. Uh, Nico is a great relocator. Uh, very, you know, just so cerebral. Um, moving off the ball. Uh, that that's very clear. And then with Bane as my number two guy. Um, like Max said. Just so good moving off the ball um, along the shooting. And then I, I actually had – yeah, I, I did have Joe third, but I was very close to having Tyrell Terry, which I like that because, again, I just think re- relocation, like like Mike like Mike said, is going to have to be a big part of his game um, because, I I mean, one, like, like he's going to be – I think driving kicks are going to be a big part of his game when he, if he can't get all the way to the rim. And then after those, you know, going to be moving out of those uh, finding spots to, you know, find cracks in the defense and, and take advantage of sleeping help defenders and get threes off. But yeah, I mean, pretty, this is one of the easier ones. I thought. So. All right. So that is, uh, wait, just kidding. I'm done. Uh, we have two more in the off ball offense category. Uh, our next one, I feel like this is very on brand of pro. We have uh, screeners. So the best screeners in the class. So uh, Max, why don't you go with your screeners? Uh, okay. I also included this one to, for one specific guy. It's for Xavier. <laughs> Xavier Tillman is the best screener in this class by a huge margin. Uh, his ball screens are amazing. He, he creates so much separation every single time. And then he's the, the best off ball screener in the class by a huge margin. He's so smart. Uh, he improvises all the time to, uh, to just create opportunities. He's, he's great, uh, with seals as well to create driving lanes. 
uh, just an incredibly smart player and uh, skilled and physical screener. Second, I've got Marco Simonovic. He is a really good screener. Um, he, I think, always makes contact, like like creates advantages so frequently with that. Um, so yeah, he's he's just really really good in that respect and really consistent. Um, and then finally, I have this was a struggle because I tried to think I tried to include the projection, and I think there are two very different answers with depending on on how you um, how much you weight the projection. So I had Onyeka, Kongwu, and Killian Tilly. Because uh, Tilly, I think, has the cerebral aspect to it. He sets very good screens, but he's a little, you know, a little smaller, a little weaker. Like not, not like quite that physical monster. Whereas Anyeka, I think, of the freshman bigs, was the best screener by an enormous margin. However, like definitely had some inconsistencies, but just buy him a lot more long term as just a a physical beast. Not to mention that like Tilly also might be playing with other big men. Whereas Onyeka is going to be the big out there. He's going to be a dominant uh, role man. Uh, so I, I, I couldn't really choose between the two of those, but they were my three. Uh, they shared my three. Yeah, so my one, my one again, very easy, very easily Tillman. I, I think that's obvious. Two, two I had Tilly. Um, again, I just until like like Max, I, I quote Max as a technical screener. Three, I wasn't sure. Um, I went kind of out of the box here, and I, I think about like small screeners. Uh, so, so, so I'm with Isaac Okoro here, um, because again, like we talked about him as like a small role man type, and you know, he is you know, there's like just there's not a lot of of smalls who set screens, and you know, he does set pretty good screens when he does. And, you know, n- n- not even just as an on-ball screener, but there's a lot of utility for, I think, Okora to, to be useful as, as an off-ball screener just because just of how incredibly strong he is in the lower body. C- can have that wide base, you know, really deter guards from, from and wings from trailing around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Onyek was also a good, like, more traditional shout. Um, even, like, some small shooters I, I, I thought about as, like, more like gimmicky screeners, like you know, like the Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman, like inverse pick and pops, like those are great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a coral I went with was my third one, but I wasn't super sure with that. So, Mikey, what was your list? I went with uh, Xavier Tillman, number one. And what do you guys think about the rumor of Xavier Tillman possibly going back to Michigan State? By the way, like that is it hurts my soul. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a I think it's a really bad idea because he was already among the very very best players in college basketball. I think the only the only realistic thing he could do is improve as a shooter, and I would much rather have an NBA team trying to improve that because it, I mean he has not really made a lot of progress at Michigan State. Um, but yeah, I just think this idea that he's going to come back to to school and like prove that he's one of the best players in college basketball, which he's been for two years already. Like I, I just, it's, it's hard for, it's hard to imagine that he could be any better than he was. I do worry a little bit also then about going back without Cassius. Uh, like what if he looks worse? Um, so I think that he's just good enough that you want to, you want to get him to, a team that is willing to invest in him. I don't know where his stock's at. Uh, uh, like, rumors are that it's not great. He hasn't got good feedback, is, is what it seems like. I mean, that must be, like, where the rumors are coming from. Because, you know, like... Yeah, but, it, I mean, I, a team will still, like... I, he still, I think, is clearly going to get drafted. So a team will will invest in him at some level. And then I think you just want... You know, he'll be in a better situation than to be working with, with hopefully, NBA-caliber guards or, worst-case, G-League-caliber guards. Um and then just have an NBA team invested in in working out the shot. 
uh, in getting his body to like the spe- the specifications that an NBA team thinks will be will be best for him. Uh, so I I would just come out no matter what if I were him. I, I think it's it, like really a long shot for his stock to improve just because he's he's not going to be better. He's already that good. Uh, so yeah, I would plead with with an NBA team to call up Xavier Tillman and tell him that you will draft yeah. him in the first round because he absolutely deserves it. Uh, he's one of the twenty best players in this class and is going to be an NBA player for a long time. Yeah, I mean, total agree, total agreement there. Um, I, I, again, just I mean, thankfully, I mean, after like the initial rumor surfaced, Tillman did seem to dispute it on his Instagram story, which is um, hopeful. But yeah, I mean, it's really silly that like that, that that like NBA teams aren't invested in him. He's so obviously has has like room to be a positive player, especially compared to some of the other bigs who like get 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 legitimate buzz and traction among NBA teams. So yeah, if there are any NBA decision makers having listening, please, 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 um, draft Xavier Tillman. We yeah. the Prep the Pro podcast will memorialize you forever. Um, so yeah. Well- it's kind of nuts that like simultaneously while there are rumors of Tillman returning to school, like everything seems to be pointing that, that apparently the NBA is wildly high on Daniel Oturu. Like not, not that, not that guys should be measured based on like one-on-one I match. I didn't want to say it. But like, yeah, like go watch Xavier Tillman turn Daniel Oturu into food. Like he destroyed him and, and was so much better than him playing in the same conference. Um, yeah. It, it it's it's discouraging if Xavier Tillman is getting feedback that's so poor that he feels he needs to return it for his senior year when he is like that inarguably a dominant college player and like has like so much of what people are constantly looking for in NBA big men. Um, it's really discouraging that that's like where evaluation is at. But yeah, uh, it, it's it's upsetting if if he ends up returning to school. Um, I, I hope he doesn't. I hope that an NBA team uh, values him where he, um, you know, where he's worth. Completely agree. And as you see with our list, like, you know, he's the best short row passer. He's the best screen setter. Those are two things that are definitely translatable. Oh, and big man handles. He's going to factor in on the defensive end yeah. as well. If we did big man handles, he'd be number one there too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he would. Yeah. Just yeah, which you know, the part, part to him. It's hard to dispute like that he has been dominant the last couple years in college, and uh, yeah, he he was the guy that I, I'm just was very surprised to hear that about, and uh, I kind of love the way they went about discrediting the very <laughs> yeah. well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, definitely pushing for X, but uh, I had Killian Tilly number two. And I think number three, I I said Caleb Wesson. I'm going with Onyeka Okongwu. I'm going to change that. <laughs> I, I think uh, just in terms of volume, in terms of projection, I, I think he he's the, the guy that you go with there. Um, Caleb Wesson, I'm still – I think when he gets into the NBA, like one of his huge qualities is being a screener and like having those qualities kind of like – I, I wouldn't say Xavier Tillman esque, but like no, diet, totally, diet. similar, similar yeah. qualities. And is, is um 
Would, would you say like comparing Caleb Wesson to Xavier Tillman, almost like comparing Nico Mannion to Seven Curry? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, I mean there are definite similarities between the two of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like yeah. it's Wesson Tillman's is like better at just about everything, but they're similar. Yeah, Wesson's yeah. just like seventy percent. Well, yeah. everything Tillman does, which can still be a solid player, you know, especially you know being being like um, a better bet to shoot in all likelihood too. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. certainly. All right, so so enough on screening. Uh, now to our actual last um, last section of guys, and this is cutters. So I'm gonna go with my guys. Uh, uh, first, you have Denny, who is just like one of the better cutters in this class. Um, so cerebral and, and picking his spots. You know, being aware of defensive lapses and, and getting in there. I also, I, and then I also had Anthony Edwards, who. Cutting was like maybe the one thing he was like consistently very good at all year, you know, in like Georgia's handoff backdoor offense, lethal plant and goes so explosive and, you know, should be a better finisher than he was at the college level, you know, just turning on my projection. And then the third guy, I went with the Coro, um, not someone who, you know, is used as much as a cutter uh, with Auburn um, as he could be, but again, someone who projects as a really positive uh, player there in the NBA with his ability to finish an, ex- an explosion to plant and, and get behind defense. And then, I'll, I mean, the intelligence is obvious for Okoro everywhere on the court. Um, so I think that's, you know, a reasonable expectation to expect that he could be an intelligent, intelligent cutter, just given how good is, you know, court mapping as a passer and as, and as a defender is anyway. So. Mike, you want to go with yours? Yeah, I went with uh, Denny of Dia as well. Uh, went with Anthony Edwards. And um, I, Isaac Okoro is uh, the last one also. And, uh, yeah, just those guys, it's going to be absolutely crucial that they move without the ball. Um, I, I agree with Ben on the, the smarts with Denny. And um, just the, the as far as uh, Ant, I, I just think, like, that's going to be a big part of what would make him, like, a, a special NBA player. So that's more of the projection. Strongly agree with your both your top twos. That's what I have as well. Um, I think Denny is the clear one, and Ant was a pretty clear number two for me. Uh, Denny, yeah, like like Denny will probably be ignored at least early in his career as a shooter, but like he's so good on those like ghost cuts from the weak side corner when when uh, pick and roll is happening on the opposite side of the floor. Like he's so good at involving himself as a cutter and taking advantage of the fact that people ignore him. Uh, and granted, that's harder to do against NBA defenses. Like defenders are are more aware of that sort of thing. But um, he really is an exceptional cutter. Uh, the final guy that I had, I considered a Coro for sure. But I wanted to shout out Jalen Smith uh, because he there. is a really good cutter, and he has a he just has a really good feel for how to move in space. And the fact that I don't really think that he can defend fives uh, offensively puts him in a kind of weird spot because he like is probably a four. Uh, and we'll have to, I think, it's another one of these projection things where he kind of he's going to have to move intelligently around the court, and I do think that's something that he's very capable of. Uh, so I, I threw him in. That it was a bit tougher for me to think of a third guy, uh, but the first two I, I felt pretty strongly about. Yeah, I honestly would would never have thought of Smith, but I think it, but I think it's an interesting one for projection. You know, especially yeah. if you don't believe in him as you know a guy who can actually play the five, and I think there's a lot of reason. Uh, to be skeptical of you know his actual ability to to play the five and like I like I'm just in, like like seeing his cutting numbers this year because like did he like cut a lot? 
Yeah, like 15 per, 15% of his possessions, I think, were cuts, and it was like 74. I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 15% of, yeah, I mean, like. And granted, I mean, like, synergy. 65 cup sessions, uh, 76 percentile. Yeah, I mean, granted, poor tra- potential poor tracking. That's pretty good for a six foot ten big. And a, yeah, I just, I was even, like, not a thing I was even, like, consciously aware of. Yeah, so, he has a, just a really good feel for moving in space and and just, like, finding holes in the defense, much like Denny. Um, I think that's just, a, a like, a weird and real skill that some guys are just really good at finding those soft spots. Yeah, uh, and I, I, yeah, I wanted to shout out Smith because I didn't have a third guy that was like the clear answer. Yeah, interesting. A guy I thought about was Obi as well. Yeah, I thought about Obi. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I thought about Obi. I thought about Woodard. Uh, I think he's a pretty good cutter. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I I thought Smith was like had a standout skill enough that that he was worth getting a, a shout out. All right, so I think um, we're going to cut it for part one there as as we have quite a bit more to go, but this is already getting a little bit long um, and we have more categories plus our catching eye. So we're going to call it. So thank you so much to, to Mike for coming on with us today. Again, you can follow him at NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter, um, host of co-host of the Viasland podcast and works works with Pro Insight. Uh, Mike, is there anything you'd like to plug? Viseline podcast, of course. I'm going to start doing some uh, of the Q and A sessions for Pro Insight as well, and that would, those would be my plugs. Just thanks so much for having me on, guys, and uh, looking forward to more of this podcast in the future. Yeah, thank you for saving us another week of content for, with this idea. Uh, we appreciate that a lot. Uh, no problem. I'll try and think of others. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, um, hopefully we, we struggle less with, you know, basketball back and you know, approaching the lottery in the draft. But, you know, uh, we appreciate the fun ones. I think this was clearly on the fun side. And I enjoyed this a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, just typical outro now. Uh, you can follow the pod at prep number two pro pod on Twitter. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Leave five-star reviews on Apple. Very nice thing to do. And we appreciate it a lot. Follow me on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Follow Max at Max A. Carlin. And unless there's anything else any of you want to say, uh, we can call it. All right. So have a great day and we'll see you all next time.